The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Got an interesting one today, goes by the name of XLR8 Metals. The executive chairman and CEO is Shannon Green. Now, Shannon's with us today to give us a rundown on uh, this IPO, which is bringing uh, to the market some uh, very interesting nickel exploration projects in uh, Sweden and in uh, Tanzania. So we won't mess around with this one today because uh, it's all about nickel and uh, we know the big thematic out there about the decarbonisation of the world and various forecasts about is it 5, 10, 15, 20 times more nickel will be needed by 2040, 2050 for the world to uh, hit its net zero targets. And as I look now, the uh, we've got the nickel price at, what, 23,200 a tonne. That's uh, down a little bit on last year's average, which was inflated by that nonsense on the LME there. If you go back to 21, the price was 18500 So we've got a good $5,000 a tonne there, and I think that's telling us something about the world starting to worry about just where new nickel supply is coming from. And XLR8 is uh, hoping to be part of the solution. So with that, welcome to the podcast, Shannon. Thanks for your time today. Well, thank you very much for having me, Barry. Really appreciate it. Uh, look, it, it really, obviously, um, you know, it's it's uh, play on on word in a sense. You know, it's an assembly of, of accelerate, um, which to me just had a really really positive uh, mm-hmm. conversation about. You know, we're we're not going to be sitting still. We've got our foot on the gas, and and we've proven that through our pre-IPO period. And um, there was actually already a listed company with the full descriptor of accelerate. Um, so one night in the middle of the night, as you as you do, I was uh, really pondering uh, the name because I think there's a lot in a name, and um, yeah, it came to me. All right, good one. That's not a uh, nice, easy one to remember too. Now you're in the IPO uh, phase. Uh, what are you? Uh, when is it likely to happen? And uh, what sort of funding are you seeking? And what sort of EV will you have at the end of the day? Yeah, look. Uh, so we we really kicked the IPO process into gear uh, last uh, September. Um, locking down our our first transaction in Tanzania uh, and then followed that up with our second transaction in Sweden and then um, we've pegged uh, further ground in in Sweden ourselves and we'll talk a bit about that. Uh, We've moved through very quickly from from there. We've moved through all of our independent expert reports have all been completed. Uh, The uh, ASX uh, in-principle application and 6.1 applications have been submitted and approved and uh, the prospectus is in its final, final sort of T-crossing, I-dotting phase this week and we'll be ready to uh, submit to um, the regulators and to ASIC uh, in in the coming week. Right. And what sort of uh, funds will you be raising, you think? Yeah, so in terms of the IPO itself, we're looking to raise a minimum of 4.5 and a maximum of 5.5, so very tight. Uh, That'll give us 42.5 to 47.5 million shares on issue with an EV of four. 
A very, very tight little structure, low number of shares, um, drill-ready sites out of the blocks. So, you know, we think you know, a lot of runway to, to really uh, come out of the blocks, uh, and, you know, strongly. Yeah, okay. Now, I mentioned there that um, the portfolio is split between Sweden and Tanzania. Uh, let's have a look at uh, Sweden first. Uh, tell us what you've got up there. Yeah, look, Sweden, we've got uh, five tenements, uh, just over 40 square K of ground, um, which is, by Sweden standards, they are quite large tenements, um, but we will grow that tenement base. It's our, our kickoff point. We entered Sweden through a transaction for a private company that held uh, 100% of two projects in the Vastabotten nickel belt, very, very well-known uh, nickel belt uh, in Sweden. Um, that had historical, from the late 70s, had some historical uh, shallow drilling with uh, some really good, you know, width and grade intersects of nickel sulphide with quite a high grade association of copper and cobalt. Um, so both those projects had historic drilling, um, you know, with, with lots of, you know, upside for, for modern uh, um, exploration techniques and, you know, deeper and broader drilling uh, so it hasn't really been you know tested you know a lot at all uh, following our due diligence of the transaction we really started looking further across the Vastabotten belt and we've locked down another three uh, areas that are currently in an advanced stage of, of application one of those tenements again is supported by some uh, historic drilling with proof of nickel sulfide and copper cobalt and two other tenements that um, have outcropping ultramafic. Now, ultramafic is the essential ingredient for, for nickel um, and it, it's outcropping. And generally where there's these outcropping ultramafics, generally uh, when you drill, they are mineralized uh, generally. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're also then see the opportunity um, in Sweden. I mean, Sweden has, for those that, that listeners um, that, that aren't aware, Sweden has a very, very long, uh, you know, tradition of mining. It supports mining. It's very, very supportive. Uh, has a, a fantastic mining uh, administration system, um, and, and again, that is uh, quite straightforward for for the users. Um, and yeah, really supportive. Our application process has been very, very smooth. We've had no pushback from landholders or stakeholders. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, we see Sweden as a really, really exciting jurisdiction with a huge amount of runway. Traditionally, sort of historically, really companies have only looked at areas where the ultramafics are outcropping. Sweden has a lot of glacial till cover, um, which sort of blinds those, those that sort of easier boots on ground initial works. Um, you need to do some more sophisticated uh, exploration activity to uh, see through the till, so to speak. So we see a significant amount of opportunity to, um, to peg a, a lot more prospective ground once we get on the ground and start doing that, uh, that exploration work. And... Your IPO here comes, uh, I think it was last week, the uh, European Union issued the critical mineral strategy, which I think called on Europe to supply itself with 10% of its mining needs and 40% of its uh, processing needs. It's got to be a good thing, given that uh, sitting here, we've always looked at Europe as, uh, well, it's not very interested in mining, but uh, 
given the critical pressure on supplying critical metals for the decarbonisation, they seem to be getting um, as serious as anybody else in terms of supporting the mining industry. Oh, look, they are, Barry. There's, there's no two ways about it. And, that, and hence, that was the driver of our strategy to go into, into Europe and, and into Sweden as such a good mining jurisdiction. Um, you know, and that was the driver, I guess, you know, the, the, the silver lining of COVID has sort of taught the world that global supply chains and so forth aren't quite as simple as, um, you know, just putting boats on the ocean. And, you know, we've learned a lot of lessons. And now we're seeing a lot of mandates from, you know, all the big manufacturers and the big uh, economies about ensuring that uh, they lock down supplies at the, you know, at the mine face, so to speak, you know, so that they control the, uh, the, 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 the supply of, uh, in particular, all of their declared critical uh, minerals. Um, mm. Nickel is a declared uh, critical and the EU is moving uh, down that same path as well. So nickel will certainly play that critical part. Um, you know, critical, you know, nickel, you know, is really fast becoming more and more critical for, for a number of reasons. One, the demand supply chain gap is just is, is just ever, ever growing. Uh, nickel isn't the easiest uh, commodity to find um, mm. at, at economic, you know, grade and width. We've got, you know, three projects already with proof of nickel sulphide. So we're, we're off to a really, really good start. We already know where X marks the spot. And yeah, that's a sort of a real driver of our strategy for Sweden, where we see the opportunity to get deeper into that supply chain as, uh, you know, the big auto uh, manufacturers and so forth, the big battery suppliers. I mean, as an example, Northvolt, which is currently the EU's largest uh, uh, battery gigafactory, sits 100 kilometres from from our from the two uh, grant, granted projects with with proof of nickel sulphide. So we see, you know, just incredible opportunity to grow a really high value business um, in Sweden off off the back of you know the EV decarbonisation, um, you know, as it really starts to play out. For sure. Okay. The in terms of uh getting on the ground, drilling, um, how far off would that be, you think? Yeah, look, I mean, where we are in Sweden, and obviously we'll talk about Tanzania as well, where we are in Sweden, we're not really, you know, we're not up in the, you know, permafrost country. We're not up in the country where you have to, you know, helicopter in and, and so forth. Um, a lot of the ground is uh, sits under historically uh, uh, forestry ground that's been heavily logged um in the past some of our projects literally sit a couple of kilometers off major highways and things like that so in terms of access on ground very straightforward and cost effective um mm. so you know up in the you know in the the far north where it can get really expensive um due to you know hello assist and so forth so we've got very very good access we've actually started moving down the path of uh the the, the approvals process for for being able to drill on ground so that we're as close to having those approvals in place as we possibly can by the time we go live um and we really see the opportunity to be on the ground we're already oriented with some of those historic drilling we see the opportunity within a couple of months out of the blocks to be to be drilling um, as we then start to roll out our geological programs across the tenements. Right. Okay. Now let's uh, swing over to Tanzania. Um, some again, a bunch of interesting uh, properties. Uh, some very close to uh, Kabanga, which is well known. Uh, for, I think it's probably one of the biggest 
quite possibly one of the best undeveloped sulphide nickel projects in the world, so much so that uh, our own BHP uh, has pumped $100 million into the private, uh, the private UK company that owns it, uh, Cabanga Nickel, uh, giving them a 17% stake. So obviously uh, this, uh, that whole belt there, well known for its nickel potential, and uh, so tell us about the properties you've acquired there. Yeah, sure. And look, you know, I guess top line, you know, Tanzania, you know, in the in the last uh, few years under new presidency and so forth, has really, really turned the corner and 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 has fast becoming. I actually read an article literally today that talked about Tanzania becoming one of the the fastest growing, most positive destinations for for capital investment, you know, across the globe. So very quickly, it's becoming recognised that Tanzania is a place where you can do business. The welcoming of 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 business, welcoming of of junior explorers through to miners, um, which is why we've now finally seen Kabanga um, after after all these years finally kicked into into development. And as you said, you know BHP placing a hundred million into that, and I don't think that'll be the by any stretch be the last of their their investment into that into that project. As you said, Kabanga is widely considered one of the best, if not the best, largest, highest grade nickel sulphide, undeveloped nickel sulphide deposits uh, in the world. We have a large uh, uh, tenement, 160 to 180 square kilometres of ground, sitting eight kilometres from Kabanga in the same geology. So we're very excited about that project. Uh, We have about 2,100 square kilometres of ground, so we have a very big land package. Obviously, a, a, you know, a number of those sit in, in application because you can't work all of that ground simultaneously. Uh, you know, we have to um, really lock in on our priorities and we've done that. We've locked in on our two priority areas. So the 2,100 square kilometres of ground covers five project areas with our yeah. two, two priority project areas being Nataka, the Nataka West Project and Kabanga. Uh, we've just spoken about Kabanga. Nataka... Uh, we border onto the boundary of a, another declared nickel sulphide uh, deposit currently held by Indiana. Um, so, and again, you know, uh, our boots on ground work before Christmas showed that, uh, um, we, you know, we're highly confident that we share the, the, the same geology um, and historic geophysics and so forth really strongly indicates that we share the same geology so that's uh, that's our number one first uh, first priority area to get straight onto the Nataka West deposit um, sort of sits at about half a percent in grade but within that there are some absolutely um, you know significant wide high grade intersects so that the area has a propensity to throw up some very very high grade wide intersects of of nickel so we're very very excited to get on the ground there straight up first up some you know sort of geochem soil sampling we've just purchased so that we're ready to go out of the blocks we've just purchased our own in-house uh infield xrf unit uh so when we get going in the field the guys are getting in real time immediate sample results um rather than all of the, the, the wait time for the laboratories and the, and the cost of the laboratories. Um, so as soon as we, we come out of the blocks, um, our guys will be on the ground immediately kicking into gear those soil sampling programs, which will help us with all of the combined historical data will we'll give us our, our first set of drill targets 
um, to then roll in the drill and we'll be sort of drilling, you know, a few months, three months max out of the blocks. Um, we'll be drilling uh, at that at our Nataka West project. Meanwhile, we're also kicking into gear our, our on-ground work at uh, Kabanga. Yeah, and then over the, the sort of the coming uh, time, we will then move on to um, some of the other ground depending on how exciting things get for us at Nataka and Kabanga, we may stay there, um, but, you know, for longer and really, um, you know, end up with some quite big drill-out programs. I would imagine the entry of uh, BHP into the uh, Kabanga nickel uh, would have made the whole industry sit up and take notice. So I'm just interested in how you were able to pick up, uh, well, uh, Kabanga North and uh, Nataka West, really. Um, yeah, look, it, it really it came about through through a, a, a relationship of a uh, local uh, geologist, um, Tanzanian-born geologist, that uh, has worked with me and I've worked with him in the past. So we have a, a, a good relationship. And uh, he and a couple of colleagues uh, pulled these land packages together based on, you know, pulling together all of the historical data that they could and really, you know, selecting the ground um, as geologists, not just sort of, you know, pegging any old ground. Um, and once they had that land package assembled, I was the first person that uh, he reached out to and offered me first opportunity to to run my eye over it. So it really went from there. So a very trusted uh, colleague. Um, and uh, obviously he runs his own little geological outfit in Tanzania. So, you know, again, out of the blocks immediately, you know, they're our initial boots on ground um, to help us... Uh, help us get going on our on our project so i was really able to leverage that relationship early last year um and that was well ahead of of bhp and so forth and really at a time where people were still humming and ahhing about tanzania you know has it really turned the corner has it really put the you know the, the you know has it really moved on from from its issues of the past um people were still questioning that by the time we'd sort of moved through and got into the front end of our pre-IPO and BHP um, jumping into Kabanga and, uh, you know, Barrick really starting to um, make a lot of noise and, and so forth, um, you know, that, that really, really started to, to play out very, very positively for us. Yeah, it's, uh, nice timing. And it's all about relationships. Uh, talking of which, uh, who else is... Uh... Apart from yourself, who else is on the team that will uh, be taking XLR8 forward? Yeah, sure. Look, so at the moment, so I was the, the, the founder, so I founded the, the company and I brought in two, um, you know, two colleagues um, to, to sort of be initial founding directors uh, for the for the IPO and that was uh, Ian Cameron, who's a seasoned exploration uh, manager. He's a geologist, geophysicist work with him at, at previous companies um, so we know how each other ticks we know how we work um, I, I trust him as a geologist implicitly and he knows how to get things done in you know in more difficult environments and so forth so you know a very very good operative so so he he's in as our exploration so he moves then off the board at, at day one of listing and moves into the exploration manager's role and uh, Elsa Osborne was the other sort of founding director and has been instrumental in in uh, helping us get through the the IPO process and she moves off the board on day one and moves into the chief financial officer and company secretary role 
worked with Elsa for the sort of the last four plus years at a, at a, at a couple of companies. So again, very, very trusting relationship. I know she's a brilliant operative. We know how each other ticks. We're both, you know, we both come from the same place that, you know, things need to be done properly. Um, so we have a very, very shared uh, um, view and vision. Um, so yeah, so that, that rounds out the executive team. And the uh, new director stepping onto the board is uh, Patrick Loom. So Patrick is uh, uh, runs a, a sort of a, a boutique um, project advisory uh, consulting group, um, and he's also currently chief financial officer for Australian Potash. Um, while they um, pull together their debt funding package to um, put that into into development, Patrick also spent a number of years on NAIF. Um, so, no, a, a, okay. an extremely, extremely well connected, you know, very good operative and a, and a very, very good uh, uh, catch for us. Most uh, excited when he accepted um, after doing his due diligence. And the other rounding out the board is Wendy Beats, who again is a seasoned uh, geologist from Africa. Um, so, she knows Africa well. She's been on teams with a, a number of nickel uh, sulfide discoveries around the world. Um, and so, yeah, again, a, a seasoned operative and, uh, you know, has also spent quite a bit of time, um, you know, in that sort of technical uh, technical roles. Um, so we'll, we'll bring you know, that real technical capability and technical advice and guidance uh, to the board as we as we move forward and, and a great support for Ian as well. I mean, it's a tight team. It's a small team. We'll be moving very fast and, um, you know, it's all hands on deck. One of the things I always say to my directors when I when I invite them to, to look at joining or not is that, you know, this is this is not a placeholder. Um, you will be expected to roll up your sleeves and and be a working you know working member of the team. And you know that's how we that's how we do things. Okay, great stuff. Alrighty, folks, there we go. Uh, a new sulphide nickel explorer in uh, Tanzania and uh, Sweden. One to watch out for, particularly with that uh, once they get drilling with that EV of uh, around four million dollars. So. With that, uh, I'm going to thank Shannon. Thanks for your time today. Interesting story. We'll be watching with interest. Thank you very much, Barry. Really appreciate the time.